Today on Locked On Canadians, the have to have shame, right? How does this change the future of this team, both in the long term and the short term as well? Why are natural centers so coveted in NHL drafts? That's all coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and welcome to episode 614 of Locked On Canadians. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. And we cover your draft lottery winning Montreal Canadiens on a daily basis. My name is Laura Sabal, also known as The Active Stick. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm joined not by Scott Matla, who's my usual co-host, but a special guest co-host, Andrew Berkshire of Game Over, uh, and as well as the Crosscheck NHL show. Andrew, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for filling in once again. It's my pleasure. I mean, you've done so much for me this year between Game Over <laughs> and the Crosscheck NHL show, filling in when, when Mary's not there, coming on my show to talk about the Canadians. I'm in a great mood. I We did that stream last night. Uh, you had your stream after my stream on YouTube, talking <laughs> about the lottery win. Uh, everybody, of course, go listen to Laura's show uh, in the roundtable about the draft lottery. It's a good time right now to be in Montreal. I think the vibes are just incredible. (laughs) It's so so funny because I think the vibes kind of after being dismal for so long, they're, they got back up that last game of the season where they won 10 to against the Florida Panthers. I think that was what kicked it off. People knew that it's a big off season, uh, lots of possible changes coming. And the first step was where do the Canadians draft? And now they've won the, the lottery and, It's important to note that they had a much bigger chance of not getting that first overall pick than they had of getting the first overall pick when you're the worst team in the league. Like increasingly, the NHL has tried to combat that purposeful tanking by making the rules more more and more difficult and lowering your odds to win that first overall pick. But the Canadians went and did it and the draft is in Montreal this year. It seems very poetic. And not only that, it, it just seems like the Canadians had a rebuild fall into their lap this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about it that uh, the Arizona Coyotes tried to be bad this year and they couldn't out bad the Montreal Canadiens who were trying to be good, at <laughs> least heading into the season, right? I, I think the goal going in, based on the Christian Dvorak trade, based on the UFA signings, was to try to be good enough to scrape into the playoffs this year. Clearly was not going to happen um, between injuries, COVID, D- Ducharme losing the room. All of that stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum, but this rebuild just got fast tracked. I think that's the biggest thing in getting the number one overall pick because there's Shane Wright and then there's a bit of a dip. Then there's everybody else in this draft uh, in terms of ceiling, in terms of his possible floor is the highest of everybody in this draft and also his uh, ability to jump into the NHL from everyone that I've talked to. They believe that another year of junior is a bit of a waste for him and being able to slot into a team like the Montreal Canadiens where he doesn't have to immediately be the number one center, where he can be behind Nick Suzuki. He has the installation behind him of Christian Dvorak. He can just be a good second line center as a rookie is a perfect situation to break him in slowly. Yeah, and there were some people on our live stream last night as well that said that 
you know, don't rush him. And I feel like there seems to be a misconception between the idea of development and rushing because sometimes a player's wasted in the league that they're in. That's not always the case. And there's so many players where, you know, they could afford to stay there until they're 23, 24 and continue to improve. And particularly this happens with defensemen a lot more than it happens with forwards. But the, bringing him to the NHL is not the same thing as rushing his development. It's developing him in a different way. And I think that's so important because, as you said, out of all of the players in this draft, he's the only one that is projected to be ready to make the jump at the start, right? Everybody else, no matter how talented they are, and there's some really good talent in that top seven uh, area, they might not be ready for another year or possibly two or three, depending on what position they play. So this is really exciting. And my philosophy is the Canadians are in a position right now where they can afford to be bad, right? But they're still going to want to fill seats because it is one of the big market teams that has, you know, that making money is important for this particular franchise. I think, you know, bringing up Shane Wright, you give him the chance to play against NHL competition earlier than he normally would have. And you give fans a reason to go to the games. There are going to be a lot of losses next season, especially since we don't know what's going on with the goaltending. And the defense is a huge question mark right now. Like I would pay money to go see, you know, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Shane Wright. Like, that's what I yep. would do. And and I think that that's so important is that it's a win-win. Like, the player gets developed, and even though you can continue to be bad enough to get a decent draft pick next year, you're still going to be filling seats. There's still going to be excitement on the ice to watch. Yeah, and I think that people are so shell-shocked from how this organization has handled prospects through the last 10 years that they believe that, like, being put in the NHL is automatically a bad idea early. Whereas now the Montreal Canadians are actually expanding their player development program. And just because a player is going to be in the NHL doesn't mean they believe that that player is done developing. Uh, you know, Kokaniemi probably wasn't ready for the NHL, but let's not ignore the fact that he had a phenomenal 18 year old season. Alex Galchenyuk, again, phenomenal 18 year old, I think he was 19 halfway through the season, but his rookie year, he put up the most points per 60 at even strength of any teenager, not 18 year old, 18 or 19 year old since Sidney Crosby, you know, the knee injury, the following season really derailed him. And then the organization continually undercut him, you know, whether it was Michel Therrien or Mark Bergevin talking in the media about how, you know, like Mark Bergevin would have taken Morgan Riley, which is an absolute wild thing to say about a player that you've already picked but uh this organization is different now and now that they have Shane Wright or they don't have him yet obviously they have to make that pick in mid July or early July but they're not going to take that pick and just throw them in the NHL and say sink or swim they're going to support him with skills coaches they're going to support him with player development staff training staff everything it takes to get the most out of that player. And it's just not going to be the same situation that we've seen before it. I know people are paranoid about it, but if Shane Wright makes the NHL next year, it's because that's where he should play. Right. And and that's the thing is that like, I understand everybody's fear and hesitation. I totally get that. And it is completely valid. If you look 
at the on ice, like the product, right? Like how it's improved. But this this particular front office has been very vocal about the way they want to support their players. And they talk about players' development, not just being when they're prospects or rookies. They're talking about development throughout their career. So the way that they're thinking about it is very holistic and 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 detailed. And I really, really appreciate that. So I do think that there's a lot of reason for optimism that no matter what decision they make with 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 this player that it will be the best one for the team and the player's development as a whole. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the bigger picture um, and, and um, you know, how this changes the immediate plans for the Canadians and the longer term plans for the Canadians. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I have been using because, as you can see, I've been doing a lot of podcasts this week. I have two jobs. I'm exhausted. Um, and uh, something that I have really been using to supplement my health and getting my energy back, keeping my energy up, keeping my digestive system in check is Athletic Greens. I really needed to take control of my health given how uncontrol- out of control my schedule is. Uh, and Athletic Greens is, is that for me. It supports better sleep quality. It supports recovery. It supports my mental clarity and alertness. And it is the one thing with all the best things. They use the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and if you're vain like me, your age all of the things right now it's time to reclaim your health just like i'm doing and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially heading into the flu and cold season it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to remember and keep track of if you want to look out for your health and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be very glad when Scott is back um, and, and uh, taking some of the hosting duties because I've been talking so much. But uh, one of the things that's really exciting to talk about now is the Canadian's future long-term and short-term. So if you're the Canadians, this off-season, does this change a lot uh, in terms of, are you going to seek free agency? Are you going to try and pick up more picks? Are you going to try to unload Hoffman and Petrie? What do you do, Andrew, if you are the Montreal Canadiens? I think I'm less concerned about a free agent center. I know Kent Hughes talked, uh, I believe, around the time that he was hired that they would be active in free agency and maybe add at the center position. But unless you're trading Christian Dvorak right away, I don't think that you necessarily need to look into a free agent center now. I think if you've got a center line of Suzuki, Wright, Dvorak, and Evans, that's a really solid four-line team, right? Like, your building blocks are really good. So that, to me, is something that speeds up the Canadians' rebuild significantly and also makes it cheaper because they don't have to spend big money on a, on a center to solidify the team and insulate Christian Dvorak a little bit and give Suzuki some softer minutes. And he doesn't have to do every single thing the team could possibly need a center to do. Uh, so that's good. I think it also allows them to focus on defense a little bit if, if they want to grab a defenseman that's available. But the biggest impact 
that this has is instead of looking two, three years down the line as a time when you can see how good this player is in the NHL, you can see right away. And maybe it's not two years down the line, the Canadians start looking at trying to make the playoffs. It's two years down the line, the Canadians start looking at winning rounds. And that's really, really exciting if you're in this market, because, you know, one of the one of the big things that has been pointed out, and you were, you know, you were doing the game over night in and night out. There were so many losses. And even in the wins, sometimes there are a lot of question marks. And something that kept coming up was the Canadians do not have enough talent. The Canadians do not have enough talent. We're two years removed from, uh, I think it was the athletic, to be honest, that they had the consensus, the Canadians depth prospect, the prospect depth at a consensus, consensus two. And obviously that's dropped a little bit, but they do have young players in their system, whether they're playing in Europe, whether they're playing in Laval, uh, whether <laughs> whether they're already on the team, they do have some players that they need to work hard on developing. I think it's a situation where you can kind of start to build your core already. Like that to me is something that is so, so important is that you don't have to wait, right? Like you don't have to tread water like the Arizona Coyotes are doing. They're literally treading water right now and it's getting worse and worse. Like the Montreal Canadiens can start taking steps forward. Uh, And I think that is so, so crucial. But here's my thing is for me, the longer term picture. And when I say long term, I don't mean like eight years down the line. I mean like two, three years down the line is that I'm still not seeing anybody in this system uh that can be your number one defenseman i can't i don't see anyone here and this is something that i want the canadians to have is a guy that you look at that and you look at the guy and you go this is one of the best defensemen in the league they don't have that they don't have anybody who will be that that i can see they've got lots of defensive prospects right they've got guys i'm excited about like jordan harris for example they've got lots of two to seven possibilities that they can develop into good two to seven but I don't see number one and I don't know what they're going to do to get it. I feel like they're going to have to try and find it in that draft. I don't know whether if it's moving up with, with trades or, or, or what they're going to do, but do you think I, and, and it's never just a question of just one piece, right? There's questions that are going to be answered with goaltending in the future as well. But do you think that longer term, the Canadians are going to be able to put together a complete team now as a result of this? Yeah. I mean, it gives them a, a clarity of focus, right? I think they have lots of good wingers in the organization. You've got guys that can move up and graduate relatively quickly, like Jesse Alonen. You've got guys that are a couple of years away that need some development, like Joshua Waugh, who has an extremely high ceiling. You've got guys already in the organization, uh, or sorry, guys already in the NHL level that are still really, really good. Uh, bounce back candidates like Brendan Gallagher. So that's not an area where they need to really focus, right? They don't really necessarily need to chase elite wingers. I look at around the league who they could find on defense, and one name stands out to me because, as you mentioned, the the Arizona Coyotes are treading water, and they keep on trying to get younger and add more picks. I wonder if they can convert that extra 2023 first-round pick that they got and get that over to Carolina with some other assets and take Jacob Chikrin. He was on the trade block this season. It was all over the rumor mill. Teams were chasing him. The price is going to be exorbitant because let's face it. He has three years left at 4.6 million. Absolute steal. He is a legitimate number one defenseman, not the flashiest, but he's a puck mover. He's great defensively. 
in a situation like Montreal, where he would be under a little bit less pressure because the forwards are a lot better than Arizona, I could see him really excelling. And the idea of a Jacob Chikrin, Caden Gooley top pairing sounds mean, like extremely, (laughs) extremely mean. I don't know how many teams would want to go up against that every night. I I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't. And when you said that, I just I perked up because I, I was thinking about it. I was like, right, it's going to cost a lot, right? Arizona's in, in in a position right now where they're stockpiling. They're, they're they want young. They want picks. They want like they're they're in a true tank slash rebuild situation. And then when you said Caden Gooley with Jacob Chickard, I was like, all right, now now I'm you're listening. sold. Now I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, and and the Canadians should do that. Please tell Kenton Hughes to listen to this podcast, Andrew Andrew's idea, and try to get uh, uh, Jacob Chickard out, out of uh, Arizona. I think another thing that I think is 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 so fun right now is that you talk about good teams kind of building from within. And now they're in a position that they have people that they can build. Like if no, there's not going to be a situation where a hundred percent of their prospects are going to hit their ceiling, but you take a guy like Norlinder, for example, and let's say he hits 75% of his ceiling. He's still a pretty good depth defenseman on a team, right? Like on a contending team with really great forwards. Like there's so many things to be excited about for the Montreal Canadiens right now that I just can't wait. I'm like, can we, can we fast forward to two years from now? (laughs) Yeah. It's when the big pieces start falling into place, it makes it easier for the smaller pieces to hit as well, right? You look at Pittsburgh and, you know, credit to the organization for sure for always having the next Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit coming up in the organization. (laughs) But how much of that is that they bring up young players and then stick them next to Crosby and Malkin in practice every single day? And the Canadians don't have a Crosby or Malkin, but if they have a bunch of really good players to practice with those other players... Like it helps, right? Having insulation, making it easier for players to break in. When you have the big pieces there, it's easier to see the future. And I think that's the biggest thing right now with why Canadians fans are so excited is they can see where things are going. And even though they're not going to be good next year, I mean, just based on the defense, they should not be very good next year. They're probably not going to be anywhere close to to last place, though, just based on I don't think they're going to have 700 games of injuries (laughs) <laughs> to to deal with and COVID on top of it. So just because of that, they're probably going to be better, but they're going to be in that non-playoff section. They'll have a chance probably at the first overall pick. If they can add a Matvey Mishkov or a Connor Bedard next year, all of a sudden this goes from, you know, a solid basis to build to, oh my God, this team could be a contender in a couple of years. Yeah, and that's so, so exciting. But I want to turn our attention a little bit. We're going to shift focus just a tiny bit because this is a question that I get asked a lot as a podcaster or somebody who likes hockey is, why is the idea of natural center so important, so tantalizing? Why is this team always a center away from competing? Uh, And we're going to talk about that in literally just one moment. But first, betonline.net continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF fixtures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. 
And where the game starts, I think, a lot of times for people is the idea of your number one center. This is a conversation that gets had not just in this market, but every market, right? Why is the idea of a center just so much more appealing than, than, I guess it's not so much more appealing rather than why is this considered the first building block for every team? And why has this team always been like, oh, a number one center is missing, right? Yeah, I think when you look at Stanley Cup winners, the con- like the one constant is they always have at least two good centers. And it's not just necessarily good. It's both both of their top two centers are first line centers, right? If you look at point production, they're both ranked within the top 30 or 32 now uh, with 32 teams in the NHL. But the other thing is like everything on the ice revolves through the middle, right? The way the game has changed over the last 10 years, it's more important to get shots from the middle of the ice. It's more important to get passes to or through the middle of the ice, making goaltenders move. And that goes for and against, right? So when you're defending, you've got your two defending the cycle. Uh, You've got your two defensemen on each side of the net, essentially. And you've got your two wingers who cover the boards and the points. And then your center has all that middle area. So the center is very important, both for breaking up plays in the defensive zone and then exiting the defensive zone. They're often the distributor to get the wingers going. You know, Cole Caulfield is getting fed from either a defenseman or Nick Suzuki for his when he skates out of the zone as soon as the the team gets the puck and he gets a little breakaway. So there's that side. And then offensively, the center kind of controls how zone entries work, how the offense uh, is dictated through it, through and into the offensive zone. The center has the most ability to uh, move around the ice and change the, the scope of how the attacking formation works. So create creatively, the center has a lot of responsibility offensively and defensively. And the other thing is the reason why there's so much focus on like the number one center is if you were to talk to an average NHL fan, they would probably tell you that there's a huge gap in the NHL between being a first line forward and a fourth line forward. But if you talk to scouts, data analysts, and people in the game, the biggest gap in the NHL in terms of talent is between low tier first line forwards and high tier first line forwards. The gap between those low tier first line forwards and fourth liners is actually not that big. And that bears out in terms of point production. It bears out in terms of uh, impact on the game, all of that stuff. It's those higher tier forwards or defensemen, the guys who are at the very, very top. Those are the ones who really stand out. It's why you you see like people like me arguing about how you know Tyler Toffoli is a legitimate first line player, but Tyler Toffoli is not Brad Marchand, right? Brad Marchand's impact on the game is significantly higher than than uh, Tyler Toffoli's is more so than Tyler Toffoli's is over a guy like Paul Byron, which is crazy to think about, but actually true. This is the thing. It's like, it's totally blowing my mind. So I'm going to turn it back to just really quickly Shane Wright real quick, because now you've got a situation where your top two centers are Nick Suzuki and Shane Wright. That's well on your way to being one of those you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing. Like I get asked about Nick Suzuki a lot, and like how good I think he is, and all of that. I think he has, he still has room to grow. He's only 22 years old. He's not even like entering his prime age yet. Although I feel like the way that he's playing, it's definitely up there. 
I'm looking at this this guy and I'm saying like I'm having a hard time believing that he's not going to be one of the top 32 centers when he's when he's in his prime, right? Like the Montreal Canadiens are significantly set. So now you've got Shane Wright as well. <laughs> and now you've got you're almost at that point where you have a logjam at center and eventually you're going to have to trade your Jordan Stahl. Like this is where you're at right now. Um but that's like 5 or 6 years away. So another thing that I wanted to ask um real quick is sort of uh, the idea that if you've got two players that are incredibly talented, uh, always pick the center over the winger. I feel like I'm trying to think of situations where that is simply not true. And I feel like you have to have an Ovechkin level winger. Yeah. In that situation. If you don't, if, if you're going to, if you're going to go with the winger over the center, like if the talent level is approximate, I would always go with the center. Yeah. It's, very, very rare instances where you wouldn't go with the center. And that's, I think, also why people are like, what's a natural center and what's like a tr- somebody that... I feel like somebody that's not a natural center is somebody that can play as a forward and is probably better at the wing. And Jonathan Drew is kind of a victim of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's even... I don't even know if I would put Duran on the category of an unnatural center. I just think he doesn't have the the defensive instincts to be a center at all. I think he's a winger who was too good for the QMJHL in his 19 year old season. So they stuck him on the, at center and basically told him to do whatever he wanted. And the, I mean, he's kind of a victim of the risk of that situation where he should have been uh, maybe going over to Europe, like Austin Matthews did or allowed to go into the, American Hockey League, which I know there's like a like a contract there where you can't have 19 year olds from North America in the American Hockey League. But because he was so bored and able to basically do whatever he wanted and still score, I think he got used to playing a junior hockey way. And you hear scouts talk about that all the time of playing like it's junior. It's that idea that like in junior, Jonathan Drouin could skate up near the blue line and just let a wrister go and he could score on the goalies there. You can't do that in the NHL. And when you get used to the idea that you can just do what you want and still make an impact instead of doing the hard things and making an impact, it can really set you back in the NHL. And Druin's early career was actually pretty strong, but I think those habits got him on the wrong side of the coach in Tampa Bay. And then there was just conflict after conflict. And he never quite figured out a way to translate his junior game to the NHL. So he becomes a good complimentary player instead of the star player he maybe should have been. Right. And it's not just him, right? He's the first example that that came to mind. But I think this conversation has been really, really insightful because this is a question that I get asked a lot. And I don't necessarily know how to answer that other than saying, well, the center has more responsibility, (laughs) Um, which is true. It's just a very simplistic way of looking at it. Uh, But I am so excited for the future of this team. I'm so excited for all the content we're both going to have to discuss in the future because of the Montreal Canadiens. So... Andrew, once again, thank you so much for filling in for Scott. Where can people find all of your work? You can go to youtube.com slash SDPN. You can go to my Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. You can find my link tree with all my work on it. Uh, I host the Game Over Montreal podcast on SDPN, and I manage Game Over Toronto and Game Over Calgary and soon Game Over lots of other cities. So find me there most of all. 
You can find this podcast at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at The Active Stick. You can follow Scott Matla at Scott Matla. Please send mailback questions to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com or you can leave them in the YouTube comments. Be nice, otherwise I will delete your comments and forget you exist. Uh, in the meantime, once you're done this podcast, please check out Locked On NHL where they're covering everything to do with the NHL playoffs right now. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag bag.